Welcome to the Radiant Visalia podcast. Join us at one of our two services, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Download the Church Center app or visit our website, radiantvisalia.com, to stay connected with us. All right, enjoy. have been you would you would actually say that you've been walking with Jesus for more than 10 years how many would say it's been more than 20 all right more than 30 all right awesome yeah nice this is I think for the for those who have been walking with uh, for those who've been walking with Jesus for any period of time, um, you you know that there are some ups and downs in this. And uh, in Christianese, we call them things like mountaintops and valleys, or we call them fruitful seasons in life and desert seasons in life. And we know that this walk with Christ is uh, a life of of ups and downs. And uh, the passage that we're going to look at today in Philippians chapter 2 had me asking the question this week, um, what if my walk with Jesus wasn't so much about ups and downs as it was a process of ins and outs? And I think what Paul's talking about today is the ins and outs of Christianity, not the ups and downs. And I think there's some things that he lays out here in Philippians 2 that will actually keep us away from the ups and downs, the high highs and the low lows, and move us towards consistency and and seeing God work in us and we work out. God works in and we work out. Let's read it. No more ups and downs. We want ins and outs is that what I kept thinking as I read this passage. Therefore, starting in verse 11, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in. It's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the skies. When Paul says here, and I don't know if you saw it, but the invitation for God to work in as we work out, It's God who works in, and and we work out. When Paul says to us in this passage that you need to work out your salvation, he does not mean that you need to work for your salvation. 
we know that salvation is a gift from God. But another, I think something that Paul is saying here and says elsewhere in Scripture is that a gift is never received until it's used. Would you say that's a true statement? A gift is never received until it's used. It's always a, it's always a good sign when the gift that you give is immediately tried on. And it's always a bad sign when the gift that, you know, you give to someone is set aside. You know, like the difference would be, oh man, thanks for this sweatshirt, this is great, and they immediately put it on. And a bad sign would be to receive that gift and immediately set it aside. It's always a good sign when what we give is received and used. Paul's saying uh, that we should work at life together because God is at work. We should work at our salvation because God is at work. The verb here, um, the verb here carries the meaning of to work to full completion. Like almost as in a math problem, that we would work that problem to completion. That we would work it out. In Paul's day, um, it was used for working a mine. Getting all the possible value out of something. So God's saying, get all the possible value out of your salvation. Work it out to full completion. Milk that thing. Get everything you can from it. There's so much to be had. Like a, a minefield or, 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 or really like a field in general, there's so much potential in our lives. And we're called to work it out. Um, in this passage, you know, because we all know that, that working out our salvation with fear and trembling, that, that this isn't easy, working this out. That sometimes allowing God to work in us and also working out is not an easy thing. Um, but Paul lays out really clearly why we should do this. And it's for the sake of a crooked and depraved group of people in Philippi. So that you'll shine like stars. Paul understands that because there's hundreds of other religions in Philippi. And he knows that persuasive words are not going to do the trick. What he's looking for are persuasive lives. We know that the church in Philippi, because we read about it in Acts chapter 16, was started not because Paul was talking, but because he was living a persuasive life in a prison in Philippi right in front of a jailer, right in front of a jailer who was being harsh with him. You know the story, Paul and Silas were in prison. The Spirit of God came and shook the prison, and there was a jailbreak. Everyone left except for Paul, who said, hey, we're not going anywhere. Because Paul knew as a Roman citizen that that Roman jailer would be put to death because people had escaped the prison. And so here he is, you know, God has shook this prison. It's time for him to go, and he's standing right in front of the jailer and saying, we're not going anywhere. And, of course, the jailer says, what do I do? What do I do to get saved? And not just he, but his whole household was saved because Paul lived a persuasive life. There were no persuasive words exchanged with this jailer. And this is how the Philippian church got started. 
How many know, um, I, and I, I just want to emphasize this, it's something we've talked about before, um, but we need both the in and the out. We need God working in. We need intimacy with him, but we also need to work out. We also need involvement. And if the church is going to go forward, it's going to go forward on the legs of intimacy and involvement. This is how we'll march forward. Jesus sometimes says, come. And other times he says, go. And the in really needs the out, and the out really needs the in. And I know people who are really good at going out and really bad at letting God work in. And I know people that are really good at going in and really bad at going out. And so the invitation here before us in Philippians 2 is that we would be a people, that we would know the ins and outs of Christianity better than we know the ups and downs. Continually letting God work in us and continually working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Your, your life with Christ, your walk with Christ, is likely going to remain um, a walk of ups and downs unless you realize a few things. Paul lays these things out for us here. But you're gonna, you, you can actually live inside the ins and outs if you do a couple things that, that Paul mentions here. The first thing I noticed as I read this is that um, in order to have the ins and outs of Christianity, because isn't, isn't that persuasive? Isn't it persuasive to see someone where God's like legitimately working in their life? It's not something they're talking about, singing about, not something they're saying. You're, you're actually seeing change in their life. God's actually doing things in them. And they're actually working it out, too. It's so persuasive, not, not just to the world around us, but even in here, inside the church. I, I love seeing that. I love hearing people's stories about what God's doing and saying and leading them in and where they're at and how it's working itself out. And to hear conversations like, yeah, so I went and talked to my dad. I actually worked it out. I actually took it to full completion, mined it for everything it was worth. It's so persuasive, so inspiring, not just outside to the world around us, but even inside the church. But if you're going to have the ins and outs of Christianity as opposed to the ups and downs, um, you're going to need power on the inside and not just pressure from the outside. Internal power, not just external pressure. Paul, when he writes them, he says this first. Therefore, my dear friends, if you, as, if you, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I wanted to ask the question of you this morning, like, do you do what you do because of external pressure or because there's inward power? And Paul was saying to this church, hey, you know what I love about you guys? That you do the same thing when I'm there and the same thing when I'm gone. It's not just you behave because I'm around. It's not just because of my external pressure. But there's, there's inward transformation going on in your life. And I want to continue to find out that what's going on in Philippi uh, is the same when I'm there and the same when I'm gone. 
that there's consistency because what's happening is not happening because of external pressure, but there's actually internal power going on inside the church. It's always our desire. We, we found ourselves work. Uh, I, we were praying uh, before the service saying, God, would you work among us? Would you work among us in this church? But in order for God to work among us, he has to also work in us as individuals. He has to be at work on the inside of you. And the scriptures call you to be transformed, not conformed by external pressure. If your Christianity, you know, if what you do is because someone is watching, or this is really difficult for me at times because I get paid to do some of this stuff. Why am I reading the Bible right now? Is this because something's going on on the inside or is there like external pressure forcing this? Be transformed on the inside, not just conformed by pressure on the outside. If you do what you do because of external pressure, you'll have a life of ups and downs because you'll be a Christian when you're around Christian friends and you'll be something else when you're somewhere else. You'll have a life of ups and downs if you do what you do because of external pressure. If you've never received or have, have never... Um, we, we would just love as a church to pray for you um, that the Holy Spirit would come and empower you to live the Christian life. That it wouldn't be just a bunch of rules and regulations but a transformation on the inside. And so if that's something that you're interested in, and you know today, like, I just, I need prayer that God would do a work on the inside because it feels like my Christianity is the result of performing for people, we'd love to pray for you today. The second thing that you're going to need in order to have the ins and outs of Christianity and stay the hay away from the ups and downs of Christianity is you need a healthy fear of God. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling a sense of holy wonder and awe. Um, I, I want to say that you will continue to have a life of ups and downs if you don't have a healthy fear of the Lord in your life. Jesus is uh, much more than your homeboy. And I think what happens when we just see Jesus as our homeboy is that everything he said is just simply a suggestion. Like their electives in high school. Yeah, I'll take shop, I guess. Jesus also does more than make suggestions. There are some pretty incredible demands in those Gospels. And we know that Jesus is both a lion and a lamb. And I love the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I love the lamb of God. I love how approachable uh, he is. I love how gentle, how meek he is. Um, how he empathizes uh, with us. Um, but uh, he, he's also a lion. And lions aren't, lions won't be at our petting zoo. Because we have a healthy fear of lions. We have a healthy fear for the thing that sits on top of the pecking order. The beast that sits atop (laughs) of the food chain. Thank you. 
there are uh, certain things that you should be afraid of. It's best for you. And Paul's saying, hey, when you work out your salvation, do it with a sense. Do it with a, a fear and a trembling, knowing that Jesus is both the lion and the lamb. He, uh, I, I love this about Jesus. He's just so unpredictable. I really want to wake you up to the idea that he's more than just your friend um, who makes suggestions. He's more than just a, a pushover. He's more than weak. In John uh, chapter 2, we read about Jesus turning uh, water into wine. You've heard the story before. The party's going to end, and he says, no, it shouldn't. And then he turns the water there into wine. Probably, mostly, it seems like his mom is really excited about him doing that. It's, it actually seems that he's kind of reluctant to do so. But here he is changing the water into wine so the party can go on. And then in John chapter 3, we read that he's forging a whip. Just a chapter away. I mean, we're talking verses away. The life of the party. And now he's forging a whip to break up the party. He's so dangerous. And you can tell, you can even tell as you read the Gospels, that the disciples are pretty... Um, just, just kind of scared at times of what he's going to do. You know, they're, they're cutting, I believe they're cutting through Samaria. And they say to him, hey, stay here at this well, okay? Just stay here. We're going to go into town and we're going to get some food. Don't mess this up for us. Just stay right here. You're going to call. You're, there's going to be a problem. Like, I know something's going to happen. You're going to heal someone. You're going to get chased out of town. You're going to get stoned. So you sit here. You sit here, okay? We're going to go get food, you know? And Jesus is like, okay, I'll sit here, you know? <laughs> and then I could, just see the, I could just see the disciples walking back, and like they can see him from a distance, you know? And now he's at the well, and he's at the well with someone. And as they get closer, they're just like, what's he doing? Uh, who's he talking to, you know? A uh, Samaritan woman? What the heck? You're not allowed to talk to Samaritan women, you know? It's just like, what are you doing, you know? We left you here so you wouldn't cause problems. You can't talk to her, you know? It was, it was like the, the disciples had this sense that, like, he was going to get them killed. And then as I thought about that, he did. He got, it's like, it's like funny. He's got, he got every one of those guys killed. Just sit here, man. You're going to get us killed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, uh, Peter, I will get you killed. I Really. Uh, Jesus, he doesn't just do things for you. He demands things of you. He demands uh, quite a few things. I, you can, if, you, if you read through the Gospels with those lenses on... You know, he, he demands, he doesn't suggest, he demands that you repent. It's not just a good idea that you believe, he demands that you believe. He actually demands that you listen. Um, he demands that you take up your cross and follow him. Uh, he demands that you rejoice and leap for joy. And, and maybe one of the gnarliest things that he says, he demands that you fear him. That you fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. 
I, I, I love the Lamb of God, and, and, and He's also a lion. And you need to have a healthy fear and respect. Otherwise, your Christian life is just going to be a series of ups and downs. Because, huh, take it or leave it. You won't grow if things are just optional. Uh, The third thing that I think could um, keep you away from the ups and downs and keep you locked into a life of ins and outs where God is working in and we're working out is that you conquer complaint. I, I spent a lot of time thinking about complaint. I actually spent a ton of time this week complaining or maybe I just noticed that I was complaining because I was thinking about complaint, but is complaint anything more than you justifying your resignation? I'm out. It shouldn't be this way. I'm out. You shouldn't be this way. I'm out. I shouldn't be this way. I'm out. When you're complaining, you're constantly justifying your resignation. This is what's wrong with this, and this is why I'm not going to participate in it. This is what's wrong, and this is why I'm going to withhold. When we complain, we're justifying our resignation. How in the world is God supposed to work in someone who's constantly justifying their resignation? How in the world are you supposed to work out your salvation when you're constantly complaining and grumbling? If you want the, the ins and outs of Christianity, you should just stop talking to yourself, you know? Don't believe everything you say to yourself. Quit justifying your resignation in relationship with people because God wants to work in, right, right in the situation that you're resisting, right inside of the suffering that's going on in your life. He wants to work in and he wants to work out as well. He wants to work in you and he wants to work through you. But we're constantly resigning. Complaining and arguing, I I just want to make, because I think Paul makes this point here in Philippians. Complaining and arguing is, is very serious to God. Very serious to God. Paul stresses this by using language here in Philippians 2 that would make the Philippians think about Israel's grumbling and complaining against God and Moses in the desert. He uses exact phrases uh, from Deuteronomy 32 because he wants the Philippians to realize how serious grumbling and complaining is to God. So he uses language that's going to make them think about the stories that they've always heard. And you've heard the story, right? Or maybe you've seen the movie, The Prince of Egypt. Um, But God, he miraculously delivers Israel from Egypt, from oppression in in Egypt. And the Red Sea is parted, and, and, and the Israelites cross the Red Sea, and they're supposed to inherit the promised land. Do you, do you, this was really eye opening to me, do you know how long it should have took them? to walk from the Red Sea to the Promised Land. Yeah, at the most, two weeks. It was supposed to take two weeks. And help me out, how long did it take? 
40 years. It was a two-week walk at the most. What kept them? I mean, what, what are we supposed to pull from this? Paul wants to tell this church, like, grumbling, complaining, arguing. This will keep you from inheriting God's promises for your life. What should take two weeks is going to take 40 years if you keep this up. Can you, can you imagine? I mean, it, this is a two-week two trek. And they're going, oh, God, I just wish. And he's like, take another lap. <laughs> Serious. Oh, but we, uh, we just don't want it. Take another lap, you know? It's like that serious to God. It's like, take another lap. Think about it, you know? I love doing that with Avery. She gets a timeout, and I'm like, hey, I don't want to hear a peep from you. And every peep, I'll add a minute to your timeout, you know? And you just stand by the stove. I'm not saying God's like me. <laughs> he probably didn't enjoy this as much as I do, you know? And it's like every time I hear a peep, I go bleep, and she can hear the minutes get upped on the stove, you know? It's just like bleep, bleep. But it was Remy, Remy hit me, bleep. Take another lap. Uh, You know, God's just never up uh, for this, you know? And I hear, I hear so often, you know, so much complaining goes on in my own life and in yours. Um, you know, my, my wife, my wife this, my wife that, you know. And I just feel like the Lord's like, take another lap. Take another lap. Because I told you in Ephesians that you should love her until she's lovely. You love, love, love her until she's lovely. I'm not going to tolerate your resignation. You justifying why you've quit on your wife. Take another lap. And things won't shift till you get it. Oh, my husband. No, you respect him till he's respectable. You respect him. You continue to respect him even when he doesn't deserve it. You respect him until he becomes respectable. And I just feel like some of the marital problems, especially that are going on here in the church, and it's just like take another lap. Just take another lap until you figure this out. It's not about her. Stop grumbling. Stop complaining. Stop resigning and start engaging. This will take two weeks or you can make it last 40 years. I really feel like there's issues in this church that could take two weeks or they could take 40 years. Totally up to you. There's a... I'm not even going to ask if you complain. That's a stupid question. Um, I I am going to ask you what type of complainer you are. Uh, I want to read for you four different types of complainers so that you can find yourself and hopefully find your way out. Uh, The first, you know, the first one is the whiner. Um, The telltale saying of the whiner is it's not fair. Why me? Everybody else gets all the breaks. This is not the way this is supposed to be. The martyr. The martyr says this. No one appreciates me. The martyr, like nobody can throw a pity party like a martyr. Ain't no party like a martyr party. (laughs) 
When, when a martyr is under pressure, they just want everybody to know it. Everybody needs to know that I'm under pressure. And I think everyone's kind of susceptible to this. I, I was reading a lot in Numbers this week, and I was so glad that I wasn't Moses, and so thankful for this church, really. And uh, Mo- Moses at one point says to God, and I think it's in Numbers chapter 11, he says, why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Did It gets better. I could hardly believe this was in the Bible. Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me, saying, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. If this, this is the best part, if this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. (laughs) Do me a favor and spare me this misery. There's a, I know it's in the Bible, it's awesome. Just kill me. The, the third type of complainer is the cynic. There's a lot of cynics in here, actually. The mantra of the cynic is nothing ever changes. What's the point? Ecclesiastes opens with this. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. That's an awesome way to start your book in the Bible. Meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does anyone gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and it hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. Oh my gosh. Uh, to the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome. More than one can say it. The eye never has enough of seeing, that, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Big whoop. The perfectionist. There, there's a perfectionist. There's probably a few of these in here where it's just nothing's ever good enough. And there's this constant complaint, like, is that the best you can do? Why don't you just turn uh, to the person you're sitting next to and introduce yourself and tell them, I am a... Which one of these best identifies you? The whiner, the martyr, the cynic, the perfectionist.
सो सो एम एक्चुअली आई एक्चुअली लाइक टू कॉल अ फास्ट इनसाइड दिस चर्च वर गन फास्ट ग्रम्बलिंग इन कंप्लेनिंग वर गन डू विदाउट इट या एंड You know like any good fast I don't know some of you have probably fasted food but the point of fasting is not just to go without something I'm talking The <laughs> Today is goofy in here I don't know what's going on <laughs> The the point of fasting is not just to go without something often we see it in with prayer that we're actually to abstain from something but also God wants us to engage in something so i'm not just going to ask you to go without complaining because i know that you would have nothing to do now like with your life like really like maybe you know and and i know that you're going to have to find a new way to watch television and i know you're going to have to find a new way to watch your kids and i know you're going to have to find different things to do so i'm not just going to ask you to give up on grumbling and complaining because i know it's a big part of your life a big part of justifying your resignation in life and and uh i i'm going to ask you to do something different not just go without complaining arguing paul clearly says don't do it like don't do this don't do this but i am going to ask you to do something i'm i'm going to ask you actually to humble yourself Based on the example that we just read last week of Jesus, I'm going to ask that you humble yourself and that you communicate your needs. Hopefully I can explain this briefly. But at the root of every complaint in your life is an unmet longing. There's a desire, a legitimate desire that's gone unmet. But then that desire when it goes unmet becomes a complaint not not a problem it's normal it's a part of relationship together but what happens is we have a decision when that complaint comes up we can either make ourselves vulnerable and share our longings and desires with the person that has hurt us or or that or that complaint can turn into grumbling and criticism and a and a criticism is actually an attack on someone's character So this is what happens. This is how it goes in Tiffany and I's relationship. You know, we've got a date planned, right? And 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 we've been thinking about it for a couple weeks. And I have this expectation mounting that we're going to leave at 5:30. And I come home. And we're not ready to go. We're we're a long way from ready to go. Long, long way from ready to go. and a complaint comes up for me i wish that you would have been ready to go you know but but if you take the time and 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 what'll happen is i'll dwell on that complaint i won't mention it at first i'll start to think about it over and over again and then eventually that complaint graduates to a criticism like a straight up attack on her character you're actually never on time i've never once seen you in 9 years of marriage on time You know like we really get serious about this attack on her character. But the truth is is it would have done me a lot I I I would have 
there's, there's two things I could have done at that point. I could see that complaint graduate into a criticism, or I could communicate my unmet longings. Because my desire was to go on a date that night. My desire was to connect with my wife. I was really excited about it. I had been thinking about it. And how many know if I'd shared that with her, I probably would have gotten a better response than when I criticize her character and tell her, you've never once been on time in nine years of marriage. But one requires something of me. One requires that I make myself vulnerable and I risk and I come back to my wife and I say to her, I've been thinking about this date. I really badly want to connect with you. And there's an unmet desire that lies at the root of my complaint. And so I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to risk and I'm going to open up rather than criticize. So let me tell you how this works here at the church. You come and you have a deep desire for connected relationships. God put it there. It's totally legit. You have a legit longing to be known and to know other people. When that longing goes unmet here at this church, it turns into a complaint, right? I just don't have any friendships here at Radiant Church. I just don't have any deep connections with people. But you have a choice. It's true. But you have a choice with that complaint. You can either swing into, Radiant is cliquish, and I'm leaving. Or you can start to voice your unmet desires with people here in this church. I desire to be known. I desire to have friends. I mean, you can feel how risky this is, right? Coming to someone and saying, I want a friendship with you. Would you be my friend? You know, it's like, it's so much easier for your complaint to graduate into criticism rather than to stop. Notice the unmet desires that lay at the root of your complaint. Humble yourself, make yourself vulnerable, risk, and share what's up for you. So this is what I'm asking you to do. Don't just go without grumbling and complaining. Humble yourself, make war on your pride because God hates it. Humble yourself and start to express your desires and your longings. Man, I got here, I showed up the first day, and I thought, this is a church where I could have some, some friendships. And I really have a hunger inside of me to be known. And to, do you want to know me? You know, we're, we're so uncomfortable with our need. What time is it? We're so uncomfortable with our need. I mean, sharing this is like, ugh. move on. We, (laughs) I want to say this really quickly. We won't even ask. We'll just make suggestions because we don't want to humble ourselves and we, we don't want to get vulnerable and we don't want to risk. So rather than me come to my wife and say, uh, could I have a sandwich? Because what, what can happen at that point? Get your own sandwich, you know, like what do I do around here? Like, there's three kids, you know? Like, you're not my fourth. Get a sandwich, you know? There, there, there's risk. I mean, you're really putting the ball in somebody else's court, you know? So we don't, we don't ask. We just make suggestions. Oh, man, I'm hungry. I'm hungry, you know? So uncomfortable with our need that we can't give it voice. Oh, I'm hungry right now. That sandwich looks good. I wish I had a sandwich, you know? And that's what happens with me, too. 
Rather than you coming up to me and saying, hey, will you get a lunch with me? I'm lonely. You say, yeah, man, like, I don't know. I just don't have any friendships right now. And I, I guess I'm supposed to just read into that and go, okay, this is my cue. Invite him to coffee, you know, because he's lonely. But no, you humble yourself. You risk and you get vulnerable. And you share what's up with you. Not just with me, but with the other people in this church. And you'll be rejected. You will. Like, I'm just saying, like, that's a part of having an open heart. There's going to be pain. Or I guess you can wall off your heart and become a critic. It's up to you. You, you, you get to choose, you know? The other thing that I, 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 that I noticed here in Paul's life and in this passage was that he just had this sense that God was at work at, at, at all times, even in suffering. Even in suffering, he had this deep sense that God was at work. And I can't say that that's true for me. Most days I feel wrapped up in a game of he loves me, he loves me not based on my circumstances. And it really is that quick, from pedal to pedal. He loves me. I just got an email. He loves me not. He loves me. My car won't start. He loves me not. He loves me. We're having for this for dinner. He loves me not. You know, I mean, it's like, it, I'm making a joke out of it, but it really, all day long, many of us are playing this game of, does he love me? Does he not? based on our circumstances. And Paul seemed to have this really radical idea that God was working even in suffering. Suffering, Paul thought, was an, was an opportunity for discipleship and not an obstacle to discipleship. Oh, yeah. You know, can you imagine how much more God could work in us and also work through us and how much more we could work out if we embrace suffering rather than resist it? Like, God's not in this. This is just the devil in my life, you know? But embracing it, going, God, what are you wanting to do right now? What, what are you wanting to uh, break, shape, mold? Like, what are you wanting to work into me right now? I'm not going to avoid suffering. I'm not going to run from it. I'm going to embrace it. Not in a gross way, but I'm going to embrace suffering as a tool. It's not like we want this, but it's part of life. As, as something that you're going to use in my life. How many more opportunities? Like, talk about inconsistencies and ups and downs based on circumstances. How much would God be able to do in our lives if we embrace suffering and said, God's working at all times, even right now, in this desert time when I'm not hearing anything, God's at work. What are you wanting to do? Constantly asking God, what are you wanting to do? How are you wanting to shape me? What are you want, wanting to break in me? God is at work at all times even in suffering. Paul ends this time by saying like, I'm going to rejoice. Will you guys rejoice with me? Remember Paul's writing this letter from prison. The church in Philippians got started because, or in Philippi got started because he was in prison. This guy's no stranger to suffering. He's lonely. He's worn out. And he's saying, rejoice. This is one of the huge themes in Philippians. It, it shows up over and over again in the book. And I, I found this really interesting this week. But when it shows up, it shows up as a verb. Meaning that joy or rejoice is something that you do, not something that you feel. Meaning that joy is something that one does, not something that one feels. 
Rejoicing is not related for Paul in his circumstances like it is for us. Rejoicing is connected to rejoicing in the Lord. That we rejoice because of the unshakable foundation of the work of Christ. And I want to say this to you because I want you to avoid the ups and downs of Christianity. And I, and I, want, to, I want to be a part of a church where God's working in and we're working out. God's working in us, and he's also working through us. And I feel like part of that is that we learn to rejoice. Like it's a verb, like it's not what you feel, that joy is not something you feel, but a choice that you make. Yeah, I know, I know this, this is the wrong time to, to bring this up, but the best day for you to come to the church, the best day for you to come to this church is the day that you don't feel like coming to church. That's the best day to come. The best time to sing is when you don't feel like singing. That's the best time to sing. Worship is that we, we, we ascribe value to things in worship. We're constantly worshiping. We're constantly ascribing value to things. Don't ascribe more value to the way you feel than to the work of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul's doing right here. So therefore, God's constantly working in him. And he's constantly working out. There aren't the ups and downs based on circumstances. But he's learning to rise above those circumstances and rejoice. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to rejoice in the work of Jesus Christ. Not in my circumstances. He wasn't, you know. If, if all you ever do is what you want to do, you will have a Christian life that's full of ups and downs. Because there'll be some days where you feel like coming here and some days you don't. Some days you feel like worshiping. Some days you don't. Some days you feel like sharing your heart. Some days you don't. If all you ever do is do what you want to do, you'll have a Christian walk that's full of ups and downs. And you'll miss out on all that God wants to work in you and work out of you. This passage from Habakkuk struck me. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines... Even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Some of you are in agriculture, so this makes sense. But I think that for, me, for most of us, this reads, though I don't have a job, straight broke right now. Though I feel worthless because I don't have uh, any sort of income coming in. Even though the economy has crashed and my car's broken down. Even though I've lost my marriage. Even though there's different things, you know, different relationships in my life that are uh, on the rocks. I will rejoice. I will do this. I will have joy in the God of my salvation. Let's pray. God, I, I just have a longing in my own heart, and I, I, I would imagine that other people do too. I, I just kind of want to avoid the ups and downs. And I, I just want to trade them in for the, the ins and outs of Christian life. You constantly working in and, and me working out my salvation. 
And I just, I just want to ask right now um, for the church that, that we could have power on the inside and not just pressure on the outside. That right now, Holy Spirit, you'd come and fill us up, that we would be filled with you, that you would empower us to love Jesus and to follow him. I ask over our church that we would have a healthy fear of the Lord. Like we would work out our salvation with a sense of like respect for you and for what you're up to. I want to ask God that as a church we could conquer complaint where we are resigning and justifying our resignation over and over again in our heads where we're constantly thinking day in and day out this isn't the way it should be you're not the way you should be I'm not the way I should be and we're just quitting we want to repent and just get back in we're, just, we're stepping in God believing that you make the difference I also want to ask God that we could um, Notice that you would give us eyes to see what you're up to, even in really difficult times when we're suffering. That we would always see that you're at work and not um, that you're at work sometimes in some people, in some places. But that we would embrace a view of you that you're always up to something in everyone, everywhere. I pray that you'd teach us how to rejoice, how to praise how to bring a sacrifice of praise, even when we don't feel like bringing it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you're serious about fasting, grumbling, and complaining, uh, I'd like you to find a couple people that are going to spend this next week with you or the next couple weeks with you and just give them permission to correct you when they hear you grumbling and complaining. Serious. Let's not just leave here and you know, uh, come back, but like find a couple people and say, I'm, I don't want to do this this week. I'm done. Thanks for listening. We want to be a resource for you as you walk with Jesus. So please connect with us at radiantbicelia.com. Until next time. find Oh, I love the flowers and trees and the smell of the grinding sea and all the beautiful things here in life